True Story, a documentary video and podcast interview series, almost everything you ever wanted to know about Eastern European documentary film. In-depth interviews, analysis, field reports, live events, and much, much more with your curious and enthusiastic hosts, Ivona Remundová and Nicole Jennifer Edelman. This series is brought to you by the Institute of Documentary Film in Prague and Film New Europe. So, please, let's make one more test. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> okay. Dear listeners, welcome on True Story documentary interview series powered by the Institute of Documentary Film in Prague and Film New Europe. For our first True Story interview, we are excited to have Liz Nemec and Carlos Lesmes in our Zoom studio, the co-authors of the new documentary A Loss of Something Ever Felt, a gripping story about the young Estonian drug addict who goes missing and his sister, Eva, who searches for him in the dangerous corners of Bogota, where no one seems to go. So my first questions to you, Liz and Carlos, how did it happen that you decided to make this story into a film? I think the film somehow found us or like it kind of happened. I had met Eva once for other reasons. That was the only time we ever met. And then one day she called me and said she wanted to ask for my help with something. And she just wanted to ask about uh, how to find someone in Colombia, how to find uh, her brother And it was through that conversation, having a coffee together with Eva, that we reached the, the idea that we should make a film about this, like we should make a documentary about this. And that evening, we had agreed to meet with Liz to have a coffee, just for having a coffee. And I met her, and I was like, hey, so this happened to me, like this happened today. And, and Liz said, like, yeah, all right, I'll produce that movie. And the film. weeks later, we were in a plane to Colombia. At the beginning of the movie, what did you see as the biggest challenges? Well, I think one of the biggest things was that we didn't know what happened to Lauri, to the missing guy. So the unknown was the biggest challenge, actually. And the second thing, from my perspective, who I did not travel to, to Colombia, was the sense of danger that they went into. And uh, I was very, very worried <laughs> about how they come back from the from the slums with uh, you know everything intact and everything. But yeah, I think uh, part of that was the unknown. I think is the most uh, because we jumped sort of literally we jumped into a plane without knowing what are we what possibly can we find like we have no idea where could he be if he could be how it's that we are going to we were making up the way to find him as we were going it's not like there was a method because there's not like a way to find a person and it's such a big city unknown places so we were very much facing a very tough everyday building unknown and very anxious also it was very bleak, I would say. It was quite uh, emotionally taxing in, in a way. People usually imagine that this is one of the most dangerous places. If I told my mother that I go to Bogota to meet a friend, she would maybe tell me, don't go or please call me every evening. Is it really so? Like, uh, is it really the most dangerous place to go nowadays? I would definitely say no. 
Carlos Eduardo Lesmes Lopez is a Colombian film director currently living and working in Estonia. Graduated as a filmmaker from Universidad Nacional de Colombia in 2010, after working in Diorama Post-Production as an editor and director, Carlos moved to Estonia to get his MA degree in Baltic Film and Media School. Ever since, he has been an active member of the Estonia film community, being part of different feature films and developing his own film projects. Carlos is really interested in science, science fiction, comic books and particle physics, but mostly in how all of this can be tied and used to try to tell stories about the human experience or about the experience of being a human. I think Bogota, I mean, I think Colombia, and there's a bad reputation, like it has to do with the um, history of the country and especially with the 90s and the drug dealing and whatnot. I think Bogota as a big city is as dangerous as any big city in terms of if you go to the drug dens and the low-income neighborhoods and the places where that social equality does not exist, you will find danger. I think it's the same kind of danger you can find probably, like we can find it here in Estonia, you can find it in Prague, you can find it in the United States. Like it, I, I mean, it, it expresses in different ways, but it's not like focused in one person, in one place. It might be more visible in some cases, but I would say actually, no, it's a really good place. And if you can, you should visit. <laughs> I am very partial to Bogota from there. So. <laughs> this is a very intimate story. It's a, it's a story of one family. It's a story of relationships in this family and uh, how difficult it is at the beginning to uh, pursue people one family to cooperate on the movie. I mean, Eva told you at the very first moment that she's willing to, but what about her mother? Well, I think Eva wanted to make this film for her mother, for her mother to see what was the world that Laurie was living in and everything. And if you have seen the film, then you know that the three of them were very interdependent to each other. So it, it meant that if Eva wanted something, the mother was also kind of on board, uh, even though she didn't. I think she still doesn't really understand it, that, uh, that that film was made for her, actually, because... She hasn't really seen the film with Estonian subtitles yet. So, <laughs> Another thing that made them cooperate immediately was that they had exhausted all the possibilities to find uh, the brother through uh, different organizations. And the organizations treat you really badly if you have somebody who is a drug addict and who is missing, that they basically tell tell them that uh, it's their own fault. And uh, so they were completely on their own. And to go there to Bogota was like the last resource that they, they took. And I think uh, if you are in this moment when somebody in your family has been missing for six months, you kind of, you really don't really think about the film as such, but you think about 
finding him, you know. Film New Europe is one of the top news publications for film professionals around the world with news about 18 countries delivered to its audience daily. Join the network of Europe's most successful film professionals at www.filmneweurope.com. Were you ever thinking of the situation that one of them or both of them would tell you in a certain moment of the shooting, please, we cannot do this. We don't want to show this intimate story of our family to the people of the world. I think luckily that never happened. I, I think there was maybe while we were shooting, there was one moment when when there was some you know, some police officers that Laud is here. He's like, there was a, another false uh, lead. And uh, we were in Cali at the time. And, and Eva said, right, if he's there, I'm not going. I don't want to, you know, he's there. I don't need to see him. And that was the moment where we got like, you know, the right, but then I'll go. And she was, yeah. I mean, like, I think we had like a bit of those moments. I um, we never had a. I think our position from the beginning was we don't want to also cross any boundaries of respect with Eva or her mom about what they are willing to share. I believe that if she would have any of them would have told us at some point, I don't want this to be shown. I feel that my only option would have been to say okay. Yes, and the other thing I told them in the beginning was that. Uh, Either they trust us 100% or we don't do it. And this agreement held basically till the end because they didn't see the film, the rough cuts, nothing. They saw the finished version only. And they, when they saw the finished version, they said they have no comments. It's a perfect film. Liz Nemec is an Estonian-based documentary director, film editor and producer. She graduated from the Baltic Film and Media School in Tallinn and is a partner in a production company, Elastikino. Her films are known from strong storytelling, empathy and experimenting with fiction film tools. Liz is also schooled and valued film editor, having edited major festivals circling Estonian art house features during past years. Liz is teaching documentary film and editing and is also a member of the Estonian Gult and Documentarians and Estonian Film Editors Union. From the beginning we agreed that it's so emotional for them that they cannot be involved in the filmmaking kind of like decisions and process. How did this film change you? I mean, what did you find for yourself personally while <laughs> making this film? <laughs> I have this automatic joke. <laughs> I've been sad ever since. You have been sad. I mean, obviously you're not on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's been, I think it's just still changing at least, I mean, to me, this is still moving a lot of things inside. I still, I get different feelings when I see the film. Um, I know the experience was uh, one of the most impactful things was to see through a different eyes to see my own hometown in terms of growing up in Bogota, this inequality, the social inequality, it's very normalized in your eyes because it's just how the world is and actually going there to the drug dance and the 
and dealing and living and hanging, talking to the addicts, it made me like shook a lot of my own misconceptions about what addiction is, about what inequality is, poverty, and how is this living, like about being a person in that sense, because these are people, we're all people just wanting to be heard, looked at, cared for, or cared for others. And that really shook me because indifference is something that grows really easily in everywhere. You know, you just, and because we, as we cannot engage a hundred percent with everything, like it's impossible to, to keep your life like that. But I think it forced me, like, or helped me to also understand better the complexities of not only my own country, but also of my own family. These sort of codependent relationships we have, be it through addictions or not, is how close these bonds are and how, I don't know, I also just feel so lucky. Like <laughs> we, had, we had one very, very fundamental conversation with Carlos from the train from Venice to Trieste to Ex Oriente. That's what I was saying, that these workshops are the best because you have all this time to talk, you know, in the travel and in the hotel and everything. And the, in that train, we, we had a fight, almost like a fight about hope and hopelessness. Like, uh, what should, like, not, not like moralistically that what should win, but, but what is the kind of like the inherent condition of us. So, and finally, I don't know, what do you think? I think now, <coughs> oh, sorry. Oh, no, no. <laughs> don't worry. We have two dogs here. <laughs> so, what was I saying? Hope and hopelessness. Yes, that uh, for me, finally, when the film was finished, then I, then I saw some hope in it, and somehow I, I, I always go back in my mind to this conversation in that train to Trieste. <laughs> for now, 20 years, the Institute of Documentary Film has been helping documentary filmmakers and their audiences to discover and uncover a wide range of topics from important social issues to intimate stories of interesting people. Documentary is no longer perceived as merely descriptions of reality in distant cultures or animal life. Documentary film has become a key catalyst of critical social change, reflecting human challenges and identifying laws or cultural rules that no longer apply while deepening the artistic practice of filmmaking. This is a very interesting topic. What I wanted to ask you more, I always heard that once you have a child drug addict, the best thing you can do is actually leave him alone. Uh, this is one of the strongest scene also from the movie. I don't want to say more because uh, people who are listening to us uh, will hopefully see the film after. But was this also your conclusion that this is really the best thing what those people who are around drug addicts, strong drug addicts, long, long years, you know, of abuse, drug abuse, if this is really the best solution to somehow not support these people? It's a tough one. I think what we heard from many of the, of the guys that had gone through rehab, and I think it's a fine balance. It's like you have to be left alone. Yeah, I think there's a moment where you have to say, 
no more, you're on your own. But somehow in a caring way that is not like, you know, go and die on your own, you know, like you're, you're not my son anymore. You're not my family member, but it's like this, you're, I cannot be addict with you. I guess it's somehow like that. Like you have to close that door. And that's what sounds, it's easier to say, say that than, than to go through, I imagine, than to say like this door is closed, but if you ever come back knocking after, you know, once you're, you know, you're not forgotten, you're not gone. Like the love is real, but the addiction is yours. I think that it's somehow like that. Maybe it's not with love, not with a but. It's not with a condition, I guess. Like I'm trying to say something like. But it's, I think, yeah, most of the guys in the end said like it, it generates the cycles with families and loved ones, you know. Like, because you love the addict, you want them to be okay and you see them in so much pain and then they are in so much pain and they want to stop that pain and the drugs are the way. So, so, so it becomes a cycle and it, and it involves so many people. Like it's never one person alone with their addiction. It's a very deeply rooted pain that involves a lot of people. It's a very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I think one, one of the worst things that you can do is to, to support with money. That uh, this is something that, uh, for example, in, in our film, the mother was not unable was unable to stop, you know, to to stop sending money. That was somehow like the the last tie between them. And and for example, I didn't know it also before making this film that this is kind of like the the recommendation by psychologists and then. Yeah, never mind. This is what I understood as well from the movie. And maybe my following question is connected to that as well. So after, I guess, I imagine that you started this film with a very like, open mind. You didn't know what's going to happen. You didn't know if Flori is going to be found or not and in what condition, etc. And uh, I guess you also didn't have like an idea what you want to say by this movie. And now after you finished this film and you've got it, is there anything, any conclusion, any feeling, any found truth, as they say, anything you would like people to see in this movie to find out? Well, I, I'll go back to the conversation in the train <laughs> because... Yeah, I think we, we, we went not only with open minds. I think uh, I kept a journal at some points while shooting. And I, at some point I found an entry that says, like, I should have prepared somehow emotionally. I was quite, um, let's say, not broken, but it was very hard. But what I remember in that train is, like, I was making a very big case for hopelessness. I was saying there is no hope. Everything is pointless, like... Uh, there's nothing, just everything is just meaningless. And when we watch the finished film, there is hope. And I think that the feeling of hope is not a hope, a blind hope of everything will be all right or something like that, but it's this very powerful feeling that the hope exists and that we're connected to each other as with people, that with your family members, with, even if it's through painful experiences, there is a shared existence somehow. And there is some beauty in it, even if it's hurtful. I find that, that there is hope. I think that's it. There is hope. I mean, like, like hope in a bigger, broader sense than, than the sense of, like, things will be fine. It's more like life keeps going. I don't know. 
we came to this through a very long process, especially because we had all the material and then we started kind of like developing the film in, in the different workshops uh, in Exoriente and other. And then uh, more and more, like slowly and slowly went towards this, uh, that is a family story and, and the tonality of it as well, like uh, more and more developed into uh, something that we didn't want to make a tragic film. You know, even though it's tragic, but at the same time, we were working very, very hard with the composer and everybody to have the hope of uh, some sort of like uh, lightness also in, 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 the, in the film. So. What was the most difficult moment in Bogota during the shooting? Oof. There is always a moment when a director says, OK, let's... Let's stop it. It's too much or we are too tired or we don't know what to do. What was what was it for you? I have to think, what can I say that is not full of spoilers? <laughs> so I think it was towards the end of our journey in Colombia. I think I, I, I just remember like once, like, so when we arrived, I, you know, we met with my family and my mom was there. And, you know, first week she's very happy. Hi, how are you doing? Two weeks pass by, we meet again and she's like, hey, I'm are you okay? Have you been sleeping, Carlos? <laughs> By the end of the trip, of the, of the search, the, she just took me aside in a room and said, like, hey, I don't want you to make these movies anymore. <laughs> like, you look terrible. <laughs> I don't want you to do this no more. And I think the hardest part was towards the end because we had been through such an accumulation of, you know, false leads. And like, so every day was a bit of yes and no, and yes and no. And that kept building. And I think there was one of the last days, there was a moment that I, you know, Eva was also already really tired. We didn't really have a fight or anything, but after another mislead, I remember with my friend Mauricio, who was like my, the only person with me in Bogota at the time, I was about to, yeah, we had the conversation that maybe we quit, you know, like there's nothing, we had nothing, like we had found nothing at the time. It was like, we're coming back with, Nothing, we're just like sad. And I said, yeah, maybe there's no movie to be made and like, I'm done. Like, I mean, like you just feel as a person, like I'm done. Um, I, I will give all this material to somebody and I will, don't know, move to the forest and make shoes or something. Like, But there, I don't remember a specific one. I think it was this accumulation that by the end we were all very quick to, we, we all felt that we were going to crack. And like, we're not going to find anything in any kind. And there's just a full waste of time and life. <laughs> there were times in the old times, I remember it wasn't really not a problem to come almost anywhere with the camera. And people were much more willing to, to talk on the camera and to be filmed. But nowadays, especially in the countries of the South, people sometimes feel like, you know, people from the West come with the, the camera and they make film, they make money out of it, and we are just used. I guess it really helped that uh, you are from Bogota, but uh, still, uh, my question is, uh, was it uh, difficult to ask people to be part of the film? No, I think actually the, the funniest, or not the funniest, like surprisingly, it was a lot harder to get the official institutions to be part of the film. Any kind of government uh, officials, they were far less uh, supportive. 
the people in the streets that we meet through the film, well, we had made a decision already while shooting, or that was my position, I was saying, like, we don't want to show misery. So we also tried not to show many faces of the people. We all, you know, we always had their permission. We never hit the camera in terms of, we were very open, we're doing this, so they would know. And the fact that we were looking for somebody actually made people was super helpful. They really wanted to help. There were only a couple of places where the, we shot with some phones as we walked, but not looking at anything because they were just uh, very dangerous in that sense and you don't want to risk it. But mostly was, there's a couple of moments in the footage and it's not in the film, but some people came and said, hey, I don't want to be filmed and we, all right, perfect. Like I think the problem is when you do it more like hiding but if you're open about it, and then you give the other person the agency to say, I don't, or I don't care, or, or that makes it easier. But it's coming, and yeah, it's very... But also you had access, thanks to Omar. And yes, uh, and actually it was more that we were working with the Omar Medina, our rehab foundation, and the guys from and the... The district, they, there is this program that the guys that work in the homeless shelters. So they were going with us and they know the streets and they were actually our biggest help in that sense as well, taking us around and talking to the people. And Because we, we didn't, you know, know exactly where to go and how to start. It was mostly thanks to the people in the street and the former addicts and Omar and the district that we caught anything. If you imagine your dream viewers, like who are the people who should see this movie? We had a uh, one um, screening in Seattle in uh, in the uh, work in progress program, and the American audience. I think it was quite fascinating that audience because it was that they were so engaged, and the conversation that we had after it lasted like for for I don't know two hours or something and uh, that was very fulfilling for us as filmmakers that's one thing and this is maybe selfish and whatever but the other uh, I think the ideal viewer like I don't think that there is such a term ideal but what I would like the people to see it is the people in the similar situation in their families, like whatever it is, is it alcohol or drugs or whatever that, uh, that exactly to come back to the idea of hope that this film kind of tells the story for me that, that each family is the same. Even if you have this very difficult uh, issue in your family, but the interdependencies and this kind of like uh, togetherness is, is the same. So it gives a lot of like um, shared experience, I think, and it can help a lot of people living under some sort of like a pressure because of this, these issues. So I hope, I really hope that, that at least here locally, we try to do like more like social screenings and, and things like that, and even go to the prison maybe or something like that, you know. So maybe I should uh, change a little bit the annotation I uh, gave at the, at the beginning of our program. So it's not for you the film about uh, a drug addict lost in Bogota who is uh, seeked by his uh, sister, but it's more a movie for all people who are interested in relationships, family relationships. So it should be seen by 
all of us. All of us who have a family and all of us have a family in one form or the other. So, yes, I think it can touch a lot of people. Is your film already online or is it now available only in cinemas? We had our world premiere in Hot Dogs in Canada. And now in uh, autumn, we are going to have three festivals, one in Europe and two in Latin America. So we are still in this festival round and we are not yet uh, going online with the film. So trying to trying to reach still audiences through festivals. My last question is, what are your plans now? You just finished this film. This is the magic moment of one thing is finished and uh, one could just have rest and do nothing for a while, which would be healthy, but we don't live in such world. So what are your plans? What's your work now about? I'm working in a camera department in another film. Also just a bit of other kind of work. And I'm prepping other projects, but in a very slow pace, like letting things kind of come to me very slowly. So writing a bit and stuff, but I'm a bit, I think I'm not in a hurry to start something else, which is a very strange feeling for me. (laughs) But I somehow feel that this one, this is still going, you know, so I'm not sort of done in a way. I think the the question of what's next, It's always tied to this rush, you know, you have to have seven projects on the coming and I'm a bit like, well, right now I want to just do this, walk with my dog and, you know, meet friends, like kind of cultivate relationships more than projects. I <laughs> think that's where I am right now. This sounds great. And I have a documentary which I'm directing. Uh, I have to finish it now because uh, I have been doing it for like five years and uh, it's time to finish uh, in the coming months so this is my my focus and uh, also distributing this film and uh, i have some other documentary one short documentary got into the oscar race so i have to do a campaign <laughs> for that and so i mean the documentary like <laughs> completely absorbed with the documentary Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for this film. Thank you for uh, making such a tender and deep film. And I really hope this film helps others to understand what's important and uh, maybe what's good to do if you have people around. Thank you for your time and I'm wishing you the best for your next project. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. inviting us.